Welcome back to the Era of Podcast. I am your host, per usual, Lucas Shu. Uh, we are back again today talking about the NFL. Uh, we kind of, this would be a different podcast usually, so I'm today I'm going to start right off just with the picks from the, this week and talk about my last week's picks. But we have a guest on later on the podcast. We have Paul Duncan. He is a scout, uh, scouting coordinator, I believe, over at uh, Expand the Box Score. I'm a good buddy of mine. We're Ted talking about, about the Browns, being the Browns are playing this Thursday. Today, recording this, so Browns are playing today. But we talked about Browns, talked about Baker Mayfield. He gave, a, he gave a prediction for Browns versus Bengals. Talked about a bunch of stuff, so stay tuned and listen for that. It's going to be like right after this. But we're going to dive right into the picks. So last week, I went 10-6. and six. Not the best, but decent record, 10-6. and six. Uh, Some interesting games last week. I mean, Steelers and Giants was a mess from a Giants run game. Titans-Broncos is a mess with with uh, Goskowski just missing like four field goals or however many it was and finally nailing the last game-winning one. But it was an interesting week overall last week, but I'm just going to dive right into the picks. Don't take up too much time, but uh, first game of the week we got... Bengals versus Browns, the Thursday night football game. Um, Browns kind of screwed the pooch last week against the Ravens. Just got absolutely stomped by the Ravens. I thought it would have been a close game, actually. I thought Baker and his new improvement to the line with Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. Uh, that would have been much improved. I thought next year with uh, Odell would have helped, but yeah, I guess not, apparently. <laughs> and sticking with Stefanski showing up there, they got absolutely stomped by the Ravens. I think like 38-6 to six or something. Baker threw a pick six. Lamar had like three or four touchdowns. It was an absolute mauling of uh, the Ravens. And the Bengals, Bengals lost a close game to uh, the Chargers. Uh, Burrow had a really nice late drive that almost ended in uh, a win. But Randy Bullock just shanked a field goal, hurt his leg, whatever happened to him, but... Brutal ending for Joe Burrow's first game. And brutal game for Burrow, not because he looked bad, but because his offensive line just was horrible. Joey Bosa was in his face all week long. I mean, Burrow couldn't even get to his back foot and his drop, and he just was already getting hit. It was just a terrible game for Burrow. Uh, I think this is going to be the same thing this week for Burrow and company as they're facing Miles Garrett, Olivia Vernon, Sheldon Richardson. I think this offensive line is going to get picked apart once again. Bobby Hartson's going to get destroyed by whoever they put against him. And I think Burrow's going to be just on his back again and under pressure again. Pretty much everything will snap. I think the Browns are going to win this game pretty handily. I think it could be close if Baker doesn't perform to what he needs to perform to. But I think the Browns should be able to win this game fairly handily as Miles Garrett and Ellie Vernon have a field day this offensive line. Next, we got the Packers versus the Lions. Uh, Aaron Rodgers went vintage Aaron Rodgers. Last week against the Vikings, he was throwing deep balls all over the field, just absolutely destroying them. I mean, it. Devontae Adams was a great help to him. He got open literally every single play he wanted to. The Vikings had no shot with Devontae Adams. And then you the fact that Aaron Rodgers just throwing deep balls on top of guy's head. Cameron Dantzler got burned by uh, Velda Scantling, a nice deep ball. Velda Scantling should have had another big deep pass that Aaron Rodgers threw him, but he dropped that one, even though it was a pretty dang good pass. And you got all these guys who just could have almost almost plays, even though Aaron Rodgers threw a nice pass to them, like Alan Lazard. Uh, Rodgers threw a nice pass up to seems to him, hit him right in the hands, but he just stumbled and fell to the ground a couple yards short of the end zone. Um, all these players just dominated for the Packers. It was a vintage showing for Aaron Rodgers. He was just throwing the ball all over the field 
He looked incredible. His arm talent is clearly still there. I I thought he was fading a little bit, but I mean, he just absolutely dominated the Vikings defense. Granted, the Vikings defense is full of young players like Jeff Gladney, uh, Cameron Dantzler, who are all both rookies, and they got rid of a bunch of players from last year, like Trey Waynes, they lost, uh, Xavier Rhodes, they lost, and one other guy they lost. But still, Aaron Rodgers was just throwing dimes all over the field. I don't know if it would have mattered if they had, had great players, but they still dominated. Lions, on the other hand, they were going to win the game against the Chicago Bears. They had... The lead for most of the game, they had like multiple unanswered touchdowns until the Bears turned it around, had three unanswered touchdowns, winning the game. Matt Stafford was driving on the field, could have won the game for the Lions, threw a beautiful pass in the end zone to DeAndre Swift, hit Swift right in the hands, and he just drops it. And they get an extra play, and they don't get it, but it was a brutal loss to the Lions. They should have won that game. They looked actually decent, but it was just a rough showing from the Lions in that second half, and... It was a bad loss to the Lions. They should have won. This week I'm taking the Packers over the Lions. I really don't think the Lions have a shot. But I think it would be an interesting game with a bunch of younger receivers in the Packers and a pair of younger D-backs on the Lions. But I think the Packers are going to win this game, especially if Aaron Rodgers keeps doing what he's doing currently. Next we have the Giants versus the Bears. I'm going to take the Giants in this game. The Giants had an interesting game against... Uh, the Steelers last week, they couldn't run the ball whatsoever. The Steelers just kept blitzing the crap out of them and getting the backfield immediately and kept just hitting Saquon Barkley before getting him to move. And uh, Daniel Jones looked nice. He had that one really nice drive, which resulted in him getting hit in the hand as he was throwing a ball, rolling to his left, getting hit in the hand by Bud Dupree in the red zone, and ball just sails through the air, and he just landed in Stephon Tewitt's hands. He landed in one of the defensive linemen's hands. I think it was Stephon Tewitt, but... Brutal end of the drive for Dan Jones, but he had some nice throws. He had a nice throw, I think, to Darius Slate in the back of the end zone. Uh, some nice timing routes he hit. It was a decent game from Daniel Jones, I thought. There wasn't a lot of craziness like there usually is, but there's still the not recognizing pressure, not feeling pressure. But it looked okay. it's an okay game from Daniel Jones. And they're playing the Bears. I described the Bears game already for you like a second ago, but... Bears looked all decent. Trubisky looked actually not terrible for once. But I'm going to take the Giants in this game over the Bears. Next up we got the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans. Titans barely won their game against the Broncos. They did not look the best. Derrick Henry did not look good whatsoever. I mean, he looked just... He got what the Titans gave him, essentially. He didn't really get anything extra. He had a stiff, or nice stiff arm there, but... He also got hit in the, almost in the backfield by Josie Jewell. It was just a mixed bag from the Titans. Uh, Tannehill looked nice. He spread the ball around a lot. It looked great in play action, but a lot of quarterbacks do. And the Jaguars, on the other hand, and Gardner Minshew is, might not let this team tank. Uh, Sam Monson from PFF talked about this on the, their podcast. PFF uh, podcasting, it's called. Gardner Minshew might just be too good for the Jaguars to tank. I think he's got to be able to win this game again against the Titans. They go a decent shot. I mean, if the Titans continue just to run the ball like this, even though they're facing nickel defenses against the Broncos, I mean, they might lose this game because Baker may and Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew might be able to air it out against them and do actually decent. I'm going to take the Jaguars in this game. I think it's going to be close, and I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans win this game. But I think I can see the Jaguars winning this game. Next up, the Panthers versus the Buccaneers. 
Uh, the Bucks faced the New Orleans Saints last week in a game that was supposed to be one of the best games of the week. You had Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. And instead of that, we got a game where Drew Brees, it didn't look like he had the arm talent anymore. It looks like his arm might be toast. Uh, he had that one nice deep pass down the field to uh, Jared Cook. But besides that, it was not a lot. The Saints are probably going to be living underneath in the middle of the field. They're not probably going to be throwing a lot of deep passes. And you, then you have Tom Brady, who looks frustrated for most of the game. He didn't have a connection with any of the receivers. Mike Evans caught like two catches. Uh, the main receiver for the Buccaneers who caught the most passes was Scotty Miller. That was the only good connection it looked like for the Buccaneers out there. But it was it was a, not a good game from Tom Brady. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Nobody looked good on their offense besides Scotty Miller. Tom Brady looked frustrated with his receivers. He couldn't get on rhythm with any of his receivers. There's some errant passes, a miscommunication, it seemed like. It was a really, really good game from Tom Brady. Panthers, on the other hand, I mean, they looked okay against the Raiders, but they got ran over by... Uh, Josh Jacobs and that Raiders offensive line just ran through. But I'm going to take the Buccaneers in this game over the Panthers. I think Tom Brady gets on track at least somewhat here. It looks like he's going to have a, I think he's going to have a better connection with Mike Evans because Godwin and all those receivers. Maybe they're going to get uh, Gronk involved more. Who knows? But I'm going to take the Buccaneers here over the Panthers. Next up, we got the Broncos versus the Steelers. The Broncos had that weird game against the Titans uh, Monday night where Vinatieri just missed four field goals and finally drove the last one. And I'm not sure what Vic Fangio was doing late in the stretch. He just kept running the ball down Fangio's throat, and he wouldn't call timeout ever. But there was some there was some stuff to like about that game. Drew Casey looked okay. Uh, the Broncos' corners looked decent. Michael Ojemudia looked solid. Alexander Johnson looked solid. Drew Locke looked eh at best. He had some... Bad bad decisions and bad throws, but he had some good ones too. But it was a weird game from the Broncos. And the other one in that game was the Steelers versus the Giants. And Steelers are playing the Broncos this week. Big Ben, it looks like the injuries have taken their toll on him because he can't throw that deep ball anymore. He's looking to check down way more often. And he's looking to throw intermediate and short way more often. And it looks like this offense isn't going to be the stereotypical Steelers offense where they're throwing the ball deep a lot more. It looks like it's going to be a lot of short intermediate. I think Big Ben's injuries caught up to him. But this week, going to take the Broncos over the Steelers. I think it's going to be a hard game for the Broncos to win, but I think they're going to be able to beat the Steelers. I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers beat the Broncos just because they have a quality defense. Big Ben's still decent at least. But I'm going to take the Broncos over the Steelers. Next up, we got the Rams versus the Eagles. Uh, the Rams beat the Cowboys last week in a really odd game. It's, it was just an odd game overall. The Rams, I mean, got off to a great start, drove it on the field immediately on the Cowboys and scored. Uh, There's a bit of a back and forth. The Rams ultimately ended up pulling away from the Cowboys in a, just an odd game. And you had the Eagles, who lost their first game to the Washington football team, and Carson Wentz just looked bad for most of the game. He took too many pressures when he didn't need to. He did not help out his offensive line whatsoever. He just didn't throw the ball well. It was just a brutal game from Carson Wentz. I don't know what was happening with him. I mean, it was just bad. And the Eagles offensive line just got manhandled too. 
uh, Chase Young dominated them, but granted that's Chase Young. But everything about the Eagles team did not look good whatsoever. It just looked brutal. And I think that's why I'm going to take the Rams over them in this game. I think the Rams just have a better offense. I think Aaron Donald's going to get, be able to get after Carson Wentz. And if Carson Wentz can't recognize pressure like he did this past week and takes a bunch of sacks like he did this past week and he's just poor, I think it's going to be hard, really hard for him. Plus, they're facing uh, Jalen Ramsey on the outside. It's going to be really tough for him to get any, uh, anything open for him. It's going to be a really tough game for the Eagles. I think the Rams are going to be able to win this game fairly handily. I mean, the Eagles, I'm kind of worried about them right now. But you can take the Rams for now and have to see what the Eagles are made of. Next up, we get the 49ers versus the Jets. I mean, this game is, shouldn't even be a real contest. The only reason that it might be is because Jimmy G did not look good last week. I mean, he was missing throws. He was off rhythm for most of the game. There's that one play where he spun three times in the pocket and didn't get anything out of it. I think he got sacked. And he got hit. It was brutal. And then he threw that hospital pass with George Kittle where Kittle's a, a big guy. I mean, he's definitely not on the small side at all. But he was sitting in the flat. And Jimmy G threw him a pass that was over Kittle's head. Kittle's 6'4". Kittle had to jump for it, outstretched arms, barely caught it, and then he got hit by somebody right in the waist slash knee area. And it was just a play where Jimmy G helped, uh, let his uh, tight end out to dry. Kittle came back to the sideline, was limping around. Thank God he stayed healthy. But it was not a good pass and not a good game from Jimmy G whatsoever. It doesn't help that he doesn't have any receivers either, but man, it was a brutal game for Jimmy G. And the Cardinals ended up winning that game against them. Colin Ray did pretty dang good against the 49ers, but man, it was a brutal for Jimmy G and the 49ers. On the other hand, the Jets also let Josh Allen go off on them. And maybe Josh Allen took a leap forward finally, but the Jets are just going to get stopped by 49ers. I think the Jets have potential to be a number one pick team, like a 3-13, and 4-12 team where they're just brutal. Next up, we got the Bills versus the Dolphins. I think this game's going to be an interesting game. I mean, the Dolphins got stomped by the Patriots pretty badly. Cam Newton ran all over them. Just They went straight bully ball, ran the ball down the throat, gave it to Cam Newton with interesting design plays, and just absolutely destroyed the Dolphins. Granted, it's the first game that Cam Newton played in a Dolphins and a Patriots uniform. So we weren't sure what to expect. Somewhat, at least, unexpected, but still, Dolphins got beat pretty bad. Bills, on their hand, beat the aforementioned Jets pretty handily. Josh Allen did pretty well, ran around the field a bunch all over the Jets, so it should be interesting. Can the Dolphins contain another fairly mobile QB, another big body QB who can run around with a cannon for an arm, a fairly similar QB to Cam Newton? I'm going to take the Bills right now. I think it's going to be a close game because I think the Dolphins have a much better defense than the Jets do. And I think it should be a competitive game, but I'm going to take the Bills. Next up, we have the Vikings versus the Colts. Uh, the Vikings, I mentioned before, got stomped by Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Their corners looked clueless. They looked bad. Cameron Dancer just got ran by. They uh, about the scantling. Uh, it was just a, a, not a good game for... Vikings. I mean, Eric Kendricks looked really nice, but that's what you should expect. Uh, Daniel Hunter, if he's going to be back, there's still a question mark. Yankan Gakwe did not do well against the Packers uh, offense at all, offensive line whatsoever. I'm kind of worried about them, but on the other hand, the Colts got beat by 
Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars, and Phil Rivers did not look the best. They looked decent, but you were he he wasn't the Philip Rivers you thought you were gonna get. He looked decent, but not great. And I think I'm gonna give the win to the Vikings here. They put up a lot of points on the Packers, so they have still potential to put up a lot of points. And I think they're gonna do that against the Colts, and they're gonna beat the Colts this week. Next up, we got the Falcons versus the Cowboys. Cowboys lost to the aforementioned uh, Rams. But for the Falcons, they had to face one of the tougher teams in the NFL and the Seattle Seahawks. And for once in his life, Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer, which in their lives, Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer, let Russell Wilson cook. <laughs> I mean, there's a huge thing on Twitter right now, obviously. Let Russ cook, started by Ben Baldwin pretty much. Uh, I know Ben didn't start it, but he was one of the main people who pushed it. And they finally let him cook, and Russ torched him. He torched the Falcons all night long, and it was a, a massacre almost. And I think the Cowboys are going to be able to continue the dominance against the Falcons that the Seahawks started. I think they should look a lot better this week. Uh, Michael McCarthy was not great in that Rams game. Some interesting calls, but I think the Cowboys should be able to beat the Falcons this coming week. Uh, Washington Redskins versus the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals managed to beat the best team, the NFL, second best team in the NFL last year, in the 49ers, and Kyler Murray looked actually pretty quality. I mean, Isaiah Simmons got absolutely destroyed by Kyle Shanahan, but I feel like there's always one player in every defense who can destroy Kyle Shanahan, and this week it was Isaiah Simmons, and it was a little bit of a welcome to the NFL kind of feel. But I think the Washington Redskins will be able to give the Cardinals room for the money. I think they have a quality defensive line. Got Ryan Kerrigan, Matt Ioannidis, uh, Chase Young is there now. And I think they're going to be able to give Cardinals run for their money, but I think Kyler Murray is probably going to be able to sustain the pressure he's going to be facing against. I think he's going to be able to ultimately pull out the win against the uh, Redskins, excuse me, Redskins, the Washington football team now. But I think it'll be a, a, actually used a close game. Next up, we get the Kansas City Chiefs versus the L.A. Chargers. Chargers managed to barely beat the Bengals on a game they should not have won, a game that the Bengals should have won on the field goal. But their defense looked good, at least against the rookie Joe Burrow. I think they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Joey Bosa, uh, Casey Hayward Jr., Christy Harris, excuse me, Casey Hayward Jr., but Chris Harris, um, Desmond King, a bunch of guys in that cornerback group that should be really good against the Chiefs. But I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think they have just too much firepower. They have Travis Kelsey. Mitchell Short should be able to slow down Bosa. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins looked really good last week. And I think they're going to just beat the Chargers. I mean, I might pick the Chiefs literally every single game this, this year just because they're just that good of a team. I think they're going to be able to dominate. Nothing against the Chargers. I think the Chargers have a decent roster. Tyreek Taylor looked decent last week. But I think the Chiefs are just going to dominate because they're the Chiefs. Next up, we got the Ravens versus the Texans. Uh, the Texans were the first game to, to play this week. Uh, play this week. First game to play last week. They played the Chiefs and they got stopped by the Chiefs. Nothing looked good for the Texans last week at all. I mean, they got beat in the pass rush. They got offensive line to beat up. They couldn't get anything going on offense. The defense got torched by the Kansas State Chiefs. Everything looked bad for them. And I think it's going to look bad again because Deshaun Watson did not look comfortable at all in the pocket last week for the Texans. Constantly under pressure. Uh, 
the Texans offensive line just looked brutal all week or all game long. I think it's going to be happening again. I don't think the Chiefs are, the, excuse me, the Ravens have a better uh, defensive line or pass rush unit than the Chiefs do, but they're going to blitz a lot. They're going to come out with a lot of creative plays, and I think the Texans offensive line is going to struggle again. Even though the Ravens don't have the most or the more talented pass rushing unit than the Chiefs did last week, I think they're going to be able to scheme up a lot of plays, and they added Clayus Campbell this past year. It's going to make it really tough on the Texans offensive line. I think Lamar Jackson is going to go off again and make us a fairly easy win for the Ravens. With the last game of the Sunday night games with the Patriots versus the Seahawks in Seattle, I think the Patriots are going to lose this game to Seattle. They looked really good against Miami. Uh, Cam Newton dominated, ran through them all night long. Looks good in the passing game, looked good in the running game. They had a lot of creative plays for Cam. They're really leaning into what Cam can do best. But I think the Patriots are going to lose to the Seahawks. I just think Russell Wilson is too good of a player. I think the Patriots, excuse me, Patriots, I think the Seahawks are going to have another week to prep against the Patriots. I think they're ultimately going to be able to pull away and dominate them. Maybe not dominate, but I think they're going to be able to win this game for sure. I think Russell Wilson is too good. I think the offense is too good. I think they're going to be able to pull away and win this game. Finally, will be the last game, though, all the week. Uh, Monday night game, New Orleans Saints versus the Raiders. I think the Saints are just going to dominate the Raiders. I think the Raiders really have a shot. Even though Drew Brees looks old and his arm doesn't look like what it used to be, I think they're going to be able to dominate them. Emmanuel Sanders is going to look really good. Kamara looked good. Cook looked good last week. And they're just going to be able to push around the Raiders with not much resistance. I mean, the Raiders dominated the Panthers' defensive line, but like the Saints had a better defensive line heading this game. They're not going to get pushed around like the Panthers did. They have better defense overall than the Panthers do. Much better. And I think they will be able to keep the Raiders in check. Just recapping, I have the Browns over the Bengals, Packers over the Lions, Giants over the Bears, Jaguars over the Titans, Buccaneers over the Panthers, Broncos over the Steelers, Rams over the Eagles, 49ers over the Jets, Bills over the Dolphins, Vikings over the Colts, Cowboys over the Falcons, Cardinals over the Washington football team, Chiefs over the Chargers, Ravens over the Texans, Seahawks over the Patriots, and Saints over the Raiders. Uh, thanks again, guys, for listening in. Stay tuned. After this, I'm having on Paul Duncan to talk about some Browns, talk about Baker Mayfield, to talk about who could possibly get the Emerald pick, and if they should take Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Thanks for listening, guys. Follow my personal Twitter at LucasHu2, L-U-C-A-S-S-C-H-U-H, the number two. And follow the twi- personal uh, the pod the podcast Twitter account. Oh my goodness, at uh, Eric Out Podcast A I R O U T Podcast on Twitter. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Welcome back to the Eric Out Podcast. I am your host, per usual, Lucas Shu. Today we have another guest on the podcast. Has been a while since we have a guest on the podcast. This guest has been on the podcast about 200 times by now. He's probably been on the podcast more than I've been the host of the podcast at this point. Uh, we're on, welcoming on Paul Duncan. He is the scouting coordinator of, at XTP. Oh, XTP, excuse me. I said I stroke right there. And he's the host of his own podcast now, the Football Scouting Podcast, which he does at Expand the Box Score. Paul, how are you doing? Good. I bought a microphone, so uh, this should sound a lot better. 
Paul has better quality audio now, so this should be amazing for my editing. Um, what I'm doing now, I'm trying to get a fan of each team on Thursday Night Football. So this week we have the Bengals playing the Browns. And if you do not know already, Paul is a massive Browns fan. So message him asking him to come on the podcast. He uh, reluctantly said yes. I had a strong arm into it. And Paul's on the podcast today, so we're going to talk about Browns a little bit before we get into a little bit of extra stuff. Paul, the Browns played the Ravens this past week. Uh, it wasn't a good game for your Browns. What 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 happened in that game? What do you got to talk about? What I mean? How did you feel after this game against the Ravens? So going into this game, I did not have very high expectations. My general thought was the Browns don't uh, are very weak with linebackers and their safeties, and well, secondary in general. Greedy Williams has been, is hurt. Grant Delpit was hurt. Um, we lost Mac Wilson, who was going to be our starting linebacker. So, like, we were playing Sione Takitaki, Jacob Phillips, B.J. Goodson at linebacker, and Andrew Sandejo and uh, Carl Joseph as our safeties. So I'm just thinking, if I were to come up with a team that would have the most trouble stopping Lamar Jackson, I would pick a team with not fast linebackers and poor safeties, um, poor safeties that'll struggle to cover Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown on post routes, which is exactly what happened. I am not surprised that Lamar Jackson was able to carve up this defense. I just think it was a little bit too easy for him. I've uh, seen people describe it as uh, the what happens when Alabama plays a mid-American conference school. And there is just no resistance. And the one part of our defense, which is supposed to be like really good, our defensive line, they weren't able to get anything done. Like Miles Garrett had one tackle and a fumble recovery. Larry Ogunjobi, he put, he had a great game. I think he had a 94 grade at PFF. He did excellent. But none of the other guys we have on the D line, like Richardson or Vernon, really did much. So they just walked all over us. Now, the area where I was most disappointed was we didn't do anything in garbage time. Usually, like what I was kind of expecting, yeah, rough first half, game got out of hand, we're not winning this. But then Baker Mayfield would have a couple good drives in the second half. So it would be like 34 to 21, but like a blowout 34 to 21. No, we couldn't do anything in garbage time either. Like there was... The only, like, bright spot offensively was David Njoku, shockingly, after demanding a trade and undemanding a trade, comes in and gives us the best game he's had as a Brown and uh, hurts his knee in the process. So it's just like, like, my expectations were low, but you have somehow found a way to go underneath them. <laughs> yeah, if you don't. No score of the game already. The score was 30-6, to six, just to update everybody on how bad the Browns just got stomped. And I I didn't get to see much of the game. I saw a few highlights right now and then, and I saw some articles written about it, and it was brutal because it was a new game, so I didn't get to see it. That's why, but I have, I have high expectations for Browns coming into the season. And I wrote an article uh, for the first week of the NFL season I'm doing every week of five best games every Sunday for the entire week. In week one, one of the games I had was Browns versus Ravens. I thought this has been like a competitive game. I thought Baker would have came back and looked not like rookie year Baker, where he's looking incredible almost, looking like playing great. But 
I thought he would have looked better than last year. I thought there'd been better chemistry with him and Odell. All this stuff. I thought the Browns would have been a more cohesive unit, and all this other stuff because I, I was very high on them two years ago, two years ago when they did, when they first acquired Odell and they acquired Olivier Vernon and they acquired that all. That was these just guys. last year. That, just <laughs> last, last year. It was just like God. It's been like forever ago now, but I was really high on them, and they crapped out obviously, and it was a whole mess. But then they got this year, and they grabbed Jack Conklin. They grabbed uh, can't think of the offensive tackle they grabbed in the draft right now. Tell me, head Wills. Yeah, Jedrick Wills. Made all the right moves this off season. All the right. right moves. And they come out here and like, okay, it's gonna be a competitive game. I didn't expect them to win. I expected the Ravens to win the game, but I thought it'd be competitive. Turned out it wasn't. I mean, it was just a brutal game. Uh, the man who everybody talks about all of last season. And who else we talked about the season before that with Baker Mayfield. And the one thing that every talked about was what's going on with his not pocket awareness, but he's almost like scared in the pocket, it seems like, for a little bit. And then you got off the line now, he still played bad. I it's one week in the season, Paul, but what are your feelings on Baker before, now, future, what are your feelings on Baker? Well, I'm going to start it off by saying a joke that I'm kind of stealing off of Twitter. But uh, did you hear, after getting worse at football two years in a row, uh, Baker Mayfield is going to start doing commercials for regressive insurance? That's such a new slapper, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah. So, Baker had a great, really good rookie year mm-hmm. and a disappointing sophomore year. Some people were saying that Baker was like the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. No, I mean, he threw a lot of interceptions. It wasn't it wasn't pretty by any means, but he still graded out at like a 70 at PFF. Like, there was a lot of things that were happening to him that weren't his fault. Poor coaching. Uh, both Landry and Odell were playing through the year hurt. But... What I was expecting is for him to be in between his rookie year and his sophomore year. So I looked throughout history and tried to find some examples of quarterbacks who have a great rookie year and a sophomore slump. And the two guys that really fit that bill were Dak Prescott, who had a crazy rookie year, mm-hmm. and Matt Ryan. And both of them had a sophomore slump. And what happened their third year? They were right in the middle of those two extremes. They were still franchise quarterbacks. They still improved. They may not have gotten to their heights their rookie year, but they both of them have established themselves as franchise quarterbacks, and I was not concerned that that was going to happen to Baker. But, oh boy, did he get worse. Um, looking at through some of the highlights, it's he's not processing. He's not seeing what's going on the field. There will be a wide receiver right in front of him open, but it's just not processing that he's open. What this probably is, is this is his fourth head coach in his last 30 games. He is averaging almost a coach a half, a coach every like nine games, new head coach every nine games, which is very hard to do. Uh, but that's just what happens when you're a Browns fan. And you take a look at, say, Josh Allen when he was coming in. He was coming in as an inaccurate Wyoming quarterback, just scatter-armed, wasn't was just a bad quarterback his rookie year. Baker was great. Baker gets a new head coach, new quarterbacks coach, new offense coordinator, gets worse. Josh Allen, everything stays the same. He gets a little better. Year three, 
well, what it's looking like so far, obviously, small sample size, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new system, has to learn the Kubiak-Shanahan system, which is quite different from what Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson were doing. And, well, he's looking worse. Josh Allen, third year, same head coach, albeit the Jets, he's looking, he's progressing and looking better. So it's like I... I am a Baker fanboy. I loved Baker from the beginning. I had him as my number one pick, like, for the Browns way before everybody else did, like, when everyone was thinking the whole draft process was going to be Darnold, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. I was like, it's either Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson that were my one and two. So he was, like, my guy. I am an apologist. And, but I really think that that's probably the thing that's been hurting him the most is just the constant change of system of what he's being, how his reads are supposed to go. That no Odell Beckham, but that's, that, that could be a next topic. So you do mention the continuity of Cleveland, uh, head coaches and offensive coordinators. Obviously, he had Freddie Kitchens last year. He had, um, the year before that too, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he had, was it Hugh Jackson originally there? He first came yeah. on with? Mm-hmm. So 2018, Hugh Jackson and mm-hmm. H- Todd Haley were his head coach and offensive coordinator. Yep. Todd Haley got fired as offensive coordinator kind of early on, and Freddie Kitchens became coordinator. And then um, Hugh Jackson got, wait, yeah, no, Hugh Jackson got fired. Greg Williams became head coach. Freddie Kitchens became offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep, and then uh, he... It just looked like Baker and Freddie just kind of had that chemistry. And then so they go in, they bring Freddie Kitchens, uh, Freddie Kitchens to be head coach. Um, he was pretty much fre- head coach and offense coordinator at the time. I forget who the offense coordinator was, but he, um, oh, it was Todd Monken. But like you didn't see like, like apparently Todd Monken was like so over, uh, like a hot mic, like caught him like talking shit about Freddie during like one of the games at the end of the year, like, I think he literally said to the other coach, yeah, he, he had, they, we have no idea what we're doing. And, uh, yep, and then Freddie Kitchens got fired, and now we have Stefanski and um, it's not Van Pelt. Yeah, I think it might be Van Pelt as our offensive coordinator. Van Pelt's either coordinator or QB coach. And, huh. yeah, that's going to – not many quarterbacks can survive that. Like, if you were to put, like, Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes might, but – I think even somebody like Matt Stafford is going to make come out of that worse for wear. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Alex Pell is the OC there right now in Cleveland. But I think that's a very fair point to bring up with Baker. I was a big fan of Baker's rookie year. I wasn't going into the NFL, but when he started actually playing, I'm like, oh, man, this guy's got some talent. And I think it does make it hard, especially in a young QB. I think a better QB is way, stands a way better chance just because – been in the NFL long already. He knows the routines. He's worked with different people, different personalities, all this stuff. But when you throw a guy like Baker's uh, mentality in there, where he's very brash, he's kind of outspoken almost. Not very outspoken, but he's very confident in himself. Mm-hmm. And you put him in a situation where he gets three offensive, co- three different coaches, multiple different offensive coordinators, one who didn't really go do very well for him at all in uh, Kitchens his last year. And he's mm-hmm. a new one this year in uh, Stefanski. I mean, it is just not a good situation anyway you slice it. But on the same topic of uh, continuity, 
do you think? I, see, I thought I think Tom Brady. Tom Brady struggled a little bit versus the Northern Saints, but I chalked it up to two things: one, Saints being a good team overall with good defense and good offense, and two, being he's his first coach in however long. Mm-hmm. And I think the as the season progresses, he'll be more comfortable with the offense, or the offense will change. Or it's going to get better for Brady. I don't think it's Brady. That's putting Baker at the high standard here. But do you think that the year, as the year progresses with Baker, and if these progresses with Stefanski, and they work together longer, and Van Pelt obviously too, do you think Baker's going to get better with this offense? Do you think he's going to continue he, to improve at least? He better. Like, that was one of the things I was saying all last year. Oh, um, when he was with Freddie Kitchens, oh, it's a new it's a new system. We have to work Odell into the scheme. Just give it some time, and Baker will adjust. Never adjusted, never got, nothing ever got better. So mm-hmm. everything in logic would say, yeah, this has been a very strange offseason. Baker's had less time to work with Stefanski due to coronavirus restrictions. There's been less, like, training camps, less off um, offseason training. So it would almost make sense that there would uh, that there would be growing pains. But it didn't look like the Carolina Panthers and Matt Rule had terrible growing pains. They didn't look as bad as we did. Um, what is it? Zach Taylor? No, he's in his second year. Um, Joe Judge, I mean, he had, there were some issues with the running game that didn't look competent, but they at least scored 17 points against a good Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Every crappy team looked at least competent in week one, except for the Browns. Now, maybe the Ravens are just really, really good. That's, there is definitely that possibility. Or maybe, you know, the Browns have invested a lot in their running uh, backs position and, and uh, Shanahan, uh, Kubiak offense, establishing the outside zone is crucial because you want to get um, start manipulating linebackers, get them going in certain uh, certain directions so you can exploit that for play action. And we never really had a chance to really, I mean, estab- uh, we never really got to run the ball much because we were down by eight, three touchdowns in the second half. So that just took away like half of our offense. I mean, it's not going to be easy to run play action when you're down 30 points. I think we ran 15 run, uh, 15 outside zone run plays and only two play actions, according to Seth Galina. So, I, like, logic says, yes, it has to get better. Um, you were put Baker and Stefanski in pretty much the worst possible situation, both offensively and defensively. It has to improve. But I'm a Browns fan. How many times have I said things have have to improve and things have not improved? So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where where I'm at, balancing between logic and experiences as a Brown fan. Right. It's it's a messy situation. You bring up Matt Rule in Carolina, you bring up Joe Judge in New York, and I know you didn't get to see the New York game. Talked about this beforehand, uh, but they did look at least competent. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is not a great QB. Check down Teddy. I mean, but he's looked decent at least. There's like signs of positivity. And you got Dean Jones. He had a really nice drive late in the game until he threw an air ball to camera who was found two in the back of the end zone. But it does need to improve for Baker. And I'm not going to throw out the B word uh, anytime. I mean, anytime soon, but I'm going to throw the B word out there. But uh, it might come to a point where if this year 
doesn't go well for Baker and Stefanski. You get him, you get Baker, his offensive, you get Baker an improved offensive line. You get him, it's great. When you get him an improved offensive line, you get him a smart former offensive coordinator in the Vikings, you get a smart head coach in Stefanski. I think, I mean, I'm not from Cleveland, so I don't know the Cleveland fan base like you do. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Cleveland Barnes fan like you are. But I think you might start calling for, not Baker's head, but they may start questioning, hey, is this our guy? You know what I yeah. mean? And that's, and that's the really rough thing. When we drafted Baker, we have the most valuable resource in all of football, and that is a what should be a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal. That mm-hmm. is the most valuable asset in all of football, a quarterback on a rookie deal who can at least start and be competent. And in his rookie year, he absolutely was. In his three years at Oklahoma, he was the best quarterback in college football. So... In, in taking that, and you only have four years and a fifth-year option to do that, you have made Baker a worse quarterback from year one to year two, and now maybe from year two to year three. If he if he does not improve, let's say we we lose to um, Cincinnati. If we lose to Cincinnati, I like I'm going to start questioning things. I'm going to start saying, asking, is this guy going to get the fifth-year option? Is this guy going to uh, get a second contract, a second contract with us, and that's those are thoughts you do not want to have for your quarterback. The Jets are starting to have theirs with Sam Darnold. Um, I guess the Bills aren't having theirs with Josh Allen, but hey, maybe when he starts playing the Patriots and playing good teams, that Josh Allen airmailing passes over receivers' heads start happening more often. You don't want to be having the Mitch Trubisky conversation of should he be getting his fifth year option before before year four. And yeah, I feel it would be a waste. Baker Mayfield strikes me as a guy that could easily Ryan Tannehill it out, get out of the place that he got drafted by and figure, figure it out elsewhere. I don't think the league has given up on Baker. I, I still wouldn't be surprised if somebody would, um, if he just, if he plays good enough year three and year four, that somebody would give him like, um, like, 16 uh, 25 million dollars to be quarterback to um kind of like how Jay Cutler left Denver like he didn't do great in Denver but he's still he's a quarterback on the market so yeah I'm not ready to give up give up on him just yet I'm more blaming the Browns for how we've dealt how we've given him like a really bad hand in coaching right and I think that's an interesting point to bring up with the Trubisky thing because I think it's very similar situations but the thing with Baker is, he gave. Bears fans will tell you, Bears fans will tell you Trubisky did good his rookie year or his first year, but Baker showed you what Bronson thought they were getting with Baker his rookie year. Mm-hmm. To me, yeah, at least. Baker showed elite, like not just franchise quarterback, but like top ten. Like I think he graded out at like eighty his rookie year. Like yeah. that's top ten quarterback level. That's win and take you to the playoff level quarterback. Mitch Trubisky never showed you that. Josh Allen still hasn't showed you that. Sam Darnold has, and Josh Rosen certainly has it. And just having that one year of proof that he can be a really, like a high level, above average NFL quarterback is so valuable, and teams mm-hmm. are going teams are going to look at that. I don't think, like, he's going to have way more of a market than, like, what Marcus Mariota did. And, um, hey, 
Andrew Barry was on the staff, um, the staff in 2018 when they drafted him. So maybe, maybe he is more willing to give him a second chance, but that'll definitely be a fun conversation for sports radio. <laughs> the one thing before we switch topics for a second, the one thing that does interest me a lot is I talk about Baker's personality of him being very outspoken and very confident. And I'm not going to play into that too much because you only know so much of the guy. So I'm not going to say it's, it's just one of his own personality because you really don't know completely. But Baker seems like a guy who is very confident in himself almost. Mm-hmm. And if it reaches the point of, say, the Browns keep him for that fifth year or even the fourth year they want to extend him, Baker's confident in himself. He's not going to take a bad deal for Baker. He's Absolutely definitely going to, right. And he's definitely going to want that long term deal. Decent signing bonus. He wants guaranteed money. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Browns have to do with him because he showed the good season, but he showed some bad play too. Not bad, bad play as well. And it'll be interesting because Browns will be stuck in a very bad situation. Like Trubisky didn't have this season, but Baker did. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting to see. Yep. It'll be, I'm have no idea what, what will happen if things were, were to continue like that way. Uh, hopefully, it happens the way it should. Baker bounces back here, uh, year, year three. We sign mm-hmm. him to his fifth year deal and he has above average seasons in year four and year five. And we will happily give him that franchise quarterback deal, which would, you know, you know how it goes. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is the highest paid quarterback at a signing. Make Baker highest paid QB at the signing. The deal looks good in four years. We go down that road of, wow, the Browns have a quarterback that, hey, if you bought his jersey three years ago, you're not SOL. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that right there will be valuable. Like, I don't, we've barely had a quarterback last more than two years for us. Like, when Brandon Whedon started 31 games for us, I think he's like in the top four most starts by a quarterback for the Browns since 1999. Brandon Whedon. Uh, I, I actually I have to know. Yeah, Tim Couch has the most game started for the Browns since we've come back, and I would not be surprised if Baker Mayfield's already number two. Think about that for a second. It's Browns is one of those teams. Um, switch over to the prediction for Thursday night's, Thursday night's game. The Browns are playing the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's going to be in – I can't know if it's in Cincinnati. I don't think it's going to matter that much because travel is so little and there's zero fans there. Either uh-huh. way, Bengals are playing. Cincinnati's playing in Cleveland. What are your predictions for this game? Be a good game for the Browns, bad game, score, whatever you want to give me prediction-wise for the Browns. Feed Bengals. I think the Browns should win. I think one of the things that hurt us with the Ravens game was poor game script of when you get down into a hole, it's more difficult to, like, running the ball doesn't matter. It's, it's hard to mm-hmm. do because you're running against the clock. You, you got to get points and you got to get out of your hole fast. That's not going to happen with the Bengals. We're going to be able to run the ball more often, get uh, get the outside zone going, get the play action done off of that, get Baker throwing the ball down the field, because I don't think the Bengals have a dangerous enough offense to take advantage of our disastrous defense and get out to a quick early lead. Uh, I also think the Browns' defensive line is going to match up way better against the Bengals' offensive line than what uh, than the Ravens. I mean, who Miles Garrett should be abusing Bobby Hart or Vernon and Ogunjobi and Richardson. Burrow should have pressure in his face all day, and 
just like how the Chargers, when they were able to put pressure on Burrow, they were only able to score like 13 points. Should have been 16. But yeah, I think the Browns should be able to score 20 points against the Bengals if with Chubb, Hunt, and hopefully some type of chemistry between Baker and Odell. Uh, what is it? Um, Odell averaged 2.2 yards per target. Technically 3.2 if you want to count holdings and like some <laughs> penalty stuff. But that's, that's worse than running, that's worse than running the ball on first down. If passing the ball to your number one wide receiver is worse than running the ball on first down, then just due to them not being on the same page like ever, then like that, that just needs to get taken care of. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Browns 21, Bengals 16, and then my other projection, um, my other fearful projection is Bengal 34, Browns 10. It's a disaster. Burn it all down. Try me to sleep. If the Bengals somehow manage to win, just it doesn't even matter. I don't think it's, gonna, it's a big win. As long as they manage to win and beat the Browns, I think people could be knocking at down First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. The first energy stadium in Cleveland, right? Yep, it's first energy stadium, and uh, I mean we put up with way worse than that. That's true. We once had we once had a game that we lost. Have you ever heard of the helmet toss game? Vaguely, I know. Explain it for us, Paul. Okay, two thousand uh, two thousand and two. It might have been 2003, but I think it was 2002. We were going up against the Chiefs. The Chiefs were down two points, had the ball at around like their 40-yard line with four seconds left. Hail Mary situation. Our linebacker Dwayne Rudd comes in, comes for a blitz, hits um hits the quarterback Trent Green while he's throwing Trent Green down. Trent Green just throws the ball over uh throws the ball over his head just like as like a huge a desperation pitch. The offensive lineman takes the ball, takes the ball, runs it for like 15, 16 yards, zeros on the clock. So Dwayne Rudd, after he tackled him, thought he just got the game-winning sack, um, ripped off his helmet, threw it in the air, and started celebrating. Flag, unsportsmanlike conduct, 15-yard penalty, uh, game can't end on a defensive penalty, Chiefs go and kick the game-winning field goal. Uh, that's t- I remember what you're talking about now. And it's such a Browns thing that happened to the Browns. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but well, we're gonna change topics for the, for a second here, longer than a second, obviously. But we have the scouting coordinator of expand the box score, so we gotta talk about at least something related to the draft. So we're gonna talk about the worst teams in the NFL and the possible teams who could be a bottom tier team contending for the top three, the prize number one pick to get. The Golden Boy, Trevor Lawrence, or whoever could be they like, most likely Trevor Lawrence. But we're going to talk about who could be in this bottom tier level of top, bottom three, bottom five teams. I have a couple teams picked out. Obviously, some of them maybe just trying to be decent teams, actually. But this is just after week one. And one of the worst teams could be the Cleveland Browns. If the disaster happens, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll finish like as a mid-tier team at best. But if disaster happens... The Cleveland Browns could be one of the bottom tier teams. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's why this Bengals game is so important because it'll show us how we do against a team that isn't the Ravens, a team that isn't like a nightmare matchup. How we do against a team that isn't good. But yes, if we lose to the Bengals, 
we're the, the team is going to start thinking draft. It's going to start. Oh, yeah. We're going to be out of the playoffs. What's really kind of odd about this whole like who are the worst teams in the NFL is the t- two teams that I feel that everybody kind of had as penciled in for the two worst teams in the NFL, the Jaguars and the Redskins. I mean, football team, <laughs> both won. And it's like. Yeah. You're, and they beat good te- teams that were playoff contenders. Gardner Minshew looked really sharp against uh, against the Colts, who were division favorites, in my opinion. I wouldn't be. I thought the Colts were had were Super Bowl contenders. And then the um, Redskins just abused the Eagles' injured offensive line and also put up 27. Like everyone's talking about the defensive line, but not talking about how. The Eagles' defense isn't terrible. The Redskins' offense looks terrible on paper. It's like Terry McLaurin, Peyton Barber, <laughs> J.D. McKissick, and Stephen Sims. Like, that is not a good offense, and they still put 27 on them. So you essentially have the two worst teams looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jets are the other team that a lot of people had, and I think they're kind of the favorite, the favorite right now. They have... a quarterback who they put in a terrible situation not via bad coaching but by giving him no offensive line and no wide receivers around him you've uh, made that plan worse by getting rid of the what receivers they even had last year <laughs> what yeah, i think J- yeah jameson crowder braxton barrios and brashad perryman are that man's receivers right now mm-hmm. so that is probably where I would probably go with the fir- um to who would get the first pick, and who honestly I say the first. This is going to come off as like a hot take, but considering like contracts and all of that stuff, I really don't think there is a more valuable property than Trevor Lawrence. Like, if the Seattle Seahawks were to trade Russell Wilson for the first overall pick. That would be a good move because Russell Wilson is $30 million. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence is going to be 6-8. to eight. And even though, yeah, Russell Wilson's obviously going to be a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to walk into the NFL a top-10 quarterback. That wow. is how good he is. You know, everyone likes to say, oh, this quarterback is the next, like, Andrew Luck. Like, um, it's kind of uh, funny, so... When Andrew Luck came about, he was the best quarterback prospect since Elway. Mm -hmm. So now Andrew Luck is the standard. So it's like, oh, best quarterback prospect uh, to Luck. But I actually found out because I'm reading. um, I found this little um, guy on eBay. It's a scout. uh, It's a scouting guide from 1983. Okay. It's uh, done by Joel uh, Booksbaum. And uh, Elway was the best quarterback prospect since Joe Namath. Mm. Fun, fun, fun little history fact for you. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence is like combining Andrew Locke and Cam Newton. Wow. Except with a better arm. Wow, better okay. Like he already has like a arm, like arm, just arm talent. Like the throws he makes from one hash to the other, like to the other side of the field effortlessly. How deep he can get the ball, the velocity of his ball. Uh, I hate comparing being a Scott. I hate comparing things to Madden, but that's like 94 to 96 throw power on him. Mm-hmm. Accuracy and decision making, 
I mean, it's not like Joe Burrow acts like he's still like a little bit below Burrow in that regard, but he still has his whole junior year to improve on it. He's going to be coming out as a junior, so his senior season will be his rookie season in the NFL. Burrow was 23 when he came out. He has more than enough time to kind of, you know, just tidy up some of the mechanics and some of the accuracy. But even even still, his accuracy is elite for a junior quarterback in college. Athleticism, did you see that run he did at, against Ohio State? Like, when I saw that run, that was kind of the switch of this man is the next Andrew Luck to this man is Andrew Luck combined with Cam Newton. He is, I think, 6'5", 220. I mean, 6'6", okay. 220. I'll fact check you. And I would not be surprised if he runs 4'6". Yeah, I don't think that I don't think the four six part's a crazy like take. If you're yeah, if you are outrunning the Ohio State defense in that manner, you're probably running a four six. So you have Andrew Luck, but you can run a read option with him in the end zone. You've got Andrew Luck, but oh crap, the play breaks down. He can do things with his feet. So you have the size, the size, strength, and durability. You have the arm talent. And you have the athleticism. Like, yeah, accuracy can be a little better, but Kirk Cousins' accuracy and footwork and that stuff can be a little better. You have what I would consider to be the best prospect I've at the quarterback position I've seen. I like, like I said, I think a team like you can trade like a star NFL quarterback, like anybody besides like Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Like any any starting quarterback on their rookie contract, uh, off their rookie contract, besides Pat Mahomes, I think I would trade for Trevor Lawrence. Interesting. I mean, I was watching that Wake Forest game, and he was making this stupid throw. It's not stupid bad. Like stupid. Like how do you make that throw? It's like NFL level throws. Like from deep out, all these different kinds of throws. Yeah, tight coverage. Tight coverage. Great velocity. Perfect placement. Mm -hmm. It's and. No care, no character concerns as well. Already engaged, already um, engaging in uh, with the community, showing leadership and how he hand um, how he handled wanting to play and being able to communicate. Hey, some of the guys that are on our college football team might be in a worse spot than what they would be at Clemson. Like him being able to or, like articulate his arguments, like. You know how 20-year-olds are talking about social issues on Twitter. Most <laughs> of them suck at them. They sound like really dumb and immature but lawrence is very well spoken just mm -hmm. every single box you can check it seems like he he hits he's overcome that little bad bout of games his early in the sophomore year and assuming there aren't any more hiccups or any like stretches of bad play yeah uh then yeah he's gonna be really good yeah i mean I don't think there's a team that would wouldn't draft her Lawrence if the pick arrived on their doorstep. Mm -hmm. The two teams that interest me though are the Miami Dolphins, who got to a tag of Iowa last year and currently have Fitzmagic. Mm -hmm. Fitzmagic. I think two is the more important one here. And what I think it's a possibility they improve their defense and everything, but if everything collapses I think it, even if everything doesn't collapse, everything, just a few things go wrong. Even if, say, Byron Jones goes down or a couple of guys go down and get hurt. Um, 
Fitzpatrick gets started. Tua is not the guy right away, and they've landed that first pick overall. Or the team who had the first pick overall last year, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are Cleveland Browns are playing, if they follow the first pick, if the offensive line in, Cle- in Cleveland, in Cincinnati is just garbage. If they can't get anything going on the offense, if they just sputter out again, finish like 3-13, 4-12, obviously I'm not saying they're going to finish that way this year. I'm not predicting that, but it's a real possibility for these teams. Mm-hmm. Do the Bengals or Dolphins take Trevor Lawrence, or what do they do? Dolphins, Dolphins yes, Bengals, no. Okay. Dolphins, yes, because I do not trust Tua Tagovailoa's injury history. I did not really particularly like him that much as a prospect, so there's kind of like that that bias oh, yeah. there. But Joe Burrow, I think, is like the second best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Like he is about Jameis, Jameis level. Him and Jameis are kind of him, Jameis and Baker, because I really like Baker coming out as a prospect. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like they were franchise quarterbacks coming out, and unless Burrow like absolutely. Like, Maybe if Burrow tears his, does the terrible triad, tears his ACL, MCL, and meniscus, or blows out both of his Achilles, like, you already have a franchise quarterback. And I think you would actually probably get more first-round picks for Trevor Lawrence than you would Joe Burrow. Or, I mean, so yeah, I would assume that the Bengals would try to keep going with Burrow, the Dolphins would try to, um, should go for uh, Trevor. The interesting one, though, is the Browns. I would, I would absolutely, all of the nice things I said about mm-hmm. Baker, I'd mm-hmm. take Trevor Lawrence. Wow. I'd say, yeah. If we, if the Browns had the number one overall pick, I would say, trade Baker Mayfield to the Patriots for a second rounder, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy. Wow. That's quite the move. I mean, I don't blame you. And I don't think it's likely the Browns can get that pick. But I think there's just because of the Browns and just because chaos happens and seemingly happens in Cleveland. Like there's this first energy stadium was built on an ancient Indian burial ground. I think it's possibility. And I wouldn't blame the Browns for doing that. I mean, ship off Baker. I like Baker too. But Trevor Lawrence, I think, could flip the franchise around yeah if if trevor lawrence can't then the yeah then the browns are just cursed yeah because what is it trevor like a lot of quarterbacks in the nfl they have potential to work in like a couple different systems very like trevor lawrence can overcome bad coaching trevor lawrence has the talent to overcome brown's bullcrap where Mm -hmm. like baker he's He's, he is short. He's not as good of an athlete. He does not have good as good of an arm, and it does not have good as good an accurate. Well, his accuracy when he was rookie year was better than Lawrence, but right. pretty much Lawrence is an improvement over him in every single way. Baker was not able to overcome the all the crap that was put in front of him. Somebody like Trevor Lawrence may be able to. One thing I always wonder is what were to happen if Pat Mahomes was drafted to the Browns number one overall in 2017. Would Hugh Jackson, did Hugh Jackson, would he have had the power to ruin him? Would he have thrown him out to the Wolves like Deshaun Kaiser with throwing the ball to Ricardo Lewis and Rashard Higgins and no offensive line and terrible play calling? Would that have demoralized and destroyed Pat Mahomes before we could ever get to the Pat Mahomes we would see at the Chiefs? Or is Pat Mahomes, rookie year, keep in mind, rookie year, he didn't play for the Chiefs. He was behind Alex Mm -hmm. Smith. Yeah. 
I would be very curious to uh, dive into the alternate universe where we got Pat Mahomes and had to deal with Pat and Hugh Jackson if Pat could undo Hugh. (laughs) This is a really interesting take. I didn't have this on my uh, notes at all or anything, but this is a really interesting take because say Mahomes doesn't have LeBron to be said. I don't know if we get... Patrick Mahomes we have in Kansas City if we don't get it right away at least mm-hmm. we don't get it like in this immediacy of sophomore year Mahomes he comes in just lights the league on fire and continues this way I don't think if we get it in his first like three years unless something major happens like something at least dive into free agency and get like and trade and get like Odell Beckham Jr. or Olivia Vernon or somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> but in all seriousness I don't think you get the Mahomes Kansas City because Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, all out there, two incredible offensive minds helping him mm-hmm. out. Plus, you got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, yeah, their wide receivers are yeah, their wide receivers are very good and are oh, yeah. perfect for what Kansas City does. If you take away Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watt, uh, and Sammy Watkins and replace them with Rashard Higgins, mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry. We'll, we'll even give him Jarvis Landry. We'll give him one competent NFL wide receiver. So Jarvis Landry, Ricardo Lewis or Rashard Higgins, and David Njoku as his tight ends. Is he just going to be like a regular franchise quarterback? Would he just kind of be like a new Derek Carr? Well, a more exciting Derek Carr where it's like, yeah, everyone thinks he's a top 20 quarterback, but no one thinks he's like a top five quarterback. That's just kind of really interesting. Is it the person or the system type conversation? This is really interesting because I do think you still get, like, you don't, I don't think you get Mahomes, Mahomes, but he's not going to be able to hit those. He's still going to hit those defaults, but he's not going to hit them at the same rate that he's able to with Kansas City or the same amount of Kansas City because he has guys who can just stretch a few, like, no business. Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. Miko Hardman, and all these dudes. And I think it's going to be a, a big struggle for him. And I think you're not going to get that guy for the first three years. At least three years, I think. Just as a random number out there. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a completely different Mahomes. And it just goes to show you, like, I was listening to the PFF forecast the other day. And they had, obviously, Eric Eager, Georgia Hurry. And they had a guy named Andy, uh, not Andy Herman. They had a, I think the guy's name, the Packers super fan. I can't think of his name at all right now. But him and PFF always feud. But he was saying how important a fit is in the draft and for young players mm-hmm. how important that coaching staff the culture all this other stuff is for teams and a Mahomes landing in Cleveland with the mess that Cleveland has been for most of his existence mm-hmm. I don't know if you can, if they're able to extract what Andrew was able to extract almost exactly like how many more wins does Pat Mahomes get over to Sean Kaiser his rookie year would Hugh Jackson be benching and putting Mahomes back in after every mistake like he did with Deshaun Kaiser? Do you remember that? Like, Hugh Jackson would bench Deshaun Kaiser for, like, the rest of the game and then start him the next week, then bench him one week and then start mm-hmm. him the next. Like, it's, like, the psychological aspect and the confidence aspect of, like, humans is so is so difficult because, one, we're not there and we're so used to studying these people almost as robots, really. We watch the right. tape. We grade them. It's We kind of assume that when they are playing the game, they're almost in, like, a different mode 
physically and mentally. If you were to talk, tr- try to do an interview with Jarvis Landry as he's running routes, he would be very mm-hmm. different than if you're trying to talk with him getting McDonald's. That's why some of like the the interviews that people have, like what is it like with the XFL interviews they have, like right after they score a touchdown. So being able to not know if Hugh Jackson would have just completely destroyed that man's confidence in his in his ability to think that he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Some pe- I've heard people say that that's what's going on to Baker is it's a confidence issue. He's been asked to change his system so many times. He doesn't know the playbooks. One system, if he sees this route combination against against this type of coverage, he's told to hold it. The other times he's told to throw it. And when you get told to do different things by different people, that's what happens. You start overthinking. Yeah, so, oh. I, do, I think it's a really fair point, Bram. The guy I thought of while we were talking, while you were talking, I looked up was Aaron Nagler from uh Vitas of the Packers. But yeah, it's a really interesting point because we always think of players as just these robots, like you say, and just think of them almost as numbers, almost. But what that does psychologically to a player's mind, such as Deshaun Kaiser or any player, young player, you could have just an incredible player, but if you just destroy him mentally, it's just, it's going to change that player's... At the quarterback position, too. Oh, yeah. I'm not quite sure how much effect that would have on somebody like Miles Garrett, where his job is just to go run and chase after people, but at, at the quarterback spot, like, yeah... So, yeah, that's kind of, that is your thought, and that is the thought experiment of the day. What would happen if Pat Mahomes got drafted to the Browns with the number one overall pick and uh, started um, for the uh, 2017 Browns, the one that would go 0-16? And, yeah, how would that happen? Would Mahomes just fix the Browns? Would the Browns destroy Mahomes? Mm -hmm. Would Mahomes be more uh, Josh Allen-esque? How would this happen? That's interesting to Josh Allen. Does he become does he become Josh Allen but better? Yes. Like so yeah, there there you there you kinda of have that um that idea. Um I know we talk, I was hyping up Trevor Lawrence. Some people are going to try to put um Justin Fields up there in kind of the same tier. Mm-hmm. Um kinda of like the whole Andrew Luck R G three thing, but I don't really think he's going to be at that level. He feels more reminds me of say somebody like where Sam Darnold was, where it's like, we're pretty confident he should be a franchise quarterback. Cause that's what we were at the time. We were pretty confident that he yeah. was a franchise quarterback type player. He turned out that turned out not to be that Ohio state system just gives him so many easy reads. And yeah, he only threw one interception, that's that is such a factor of the system. Yeah, the accuracy the accuracy is nice, and the um he's got a good arm and good athleticism. But I'm not sure I have a full on I call it a 7.0 in my system where I see this player get drafted and I know immediately he's going to be the starting quarterback week one the date the second he's drafted. I yeah. need to see another season of that from um of him and hey Big Ten football is apparently back. Uh, Thank God. I know. So hopefully we can see that, and he can alleviate my uh, alleviate my concerns. 
and get crossover from the 6.9 to the 7.0, but it's it's not going to be any debate between Fields and Lawrence unless you're talking just straight fantasy football. That's Lawrence, I think, is like a 7.5. Uh, uh, I just thought of this, but have you seen any film on Trey Lance yet? Have you delved into his stuff yet? I have not, but I am naturally very skeptical. You're telling me that a redshirt sophomore from North Dakota State is going to be a top five draft pick. The guy passed the ball 17 times a game at North Dakota State. What I have seen of him when I watched the uh, championship game against James Madison is mm-hmm. pocket awareness. And he, that pocket awareness trait is very good and just like... You just notice that he rec- he can see pressure without seeing it. He can step up in the pocket when there is field in front of him. He will take it and has the athleticism to take a lot of it, big and strong. But gosh, I just I need to see more. Like I just do not believe like at that that level of competition with the scheme that he's in and just pretty much being asked to get the team ahead so they can run the ball the rest of the game mm-hmm. is worth taking that risk of him being a uh, top five pick if that's being a redshirt sophomore with one season in a game against Central Arkansas on film. I think he should come back for his junior season. Wow. Interesting. All right, I got this question for you. So we talked about basically every team choosing uh, Trevor Lawrence as a QB, no matter who they are besides the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Say... And Ravens and Chiefs. And Ravens and Chiefs. But let's say we talked we talk about some teams. We talked about some teams who we thought before the podcast are possible bottom tier teams. I have them written down here. We're going to talk about all the teams I have written down, which is like five outside the Bengals, obviously, because we talked about Bengals for a second there. If you're the Browns, you're who, who, whoever the GM is of the Browns, Andrew Barry, whoever is making the call in Cleveland for San Jose Stadium. Say Justin Fields falls to you. Whatever pick you got, Justin Fields falls to you. Do you take him? I would. I really hope not. But there's so much that can change. There's so many things I would need to know. Like if we get our butt kicked by, well, yeah, we probably would be getting our butt kicked. Like, if we're down there because Baker tears his ACL week yeah. three, then probably not. Then I'm going okay. to give ba- give Baker that fourth year to prove himself okay. and take a guy like Micah Parsons. Uh, oh, Penay Sewell. Move Jedrick Wills to the uh, back to the right side, put Conklin at guard, put uh, Sewell at tackle, and give Baker Mayfield or whoever your quarterback is the best offensive line imaginable. So... It's way too early for me to answer mm-hmm. that question with any type of authority, but gosh, is already thinking about the Browns taking another quarterback in the draft just kind of hurts. <laughs> All right, let's move with the Browns. Talk about somebody who you're not duly connected to. It's with the Jaguars. Obviously, Gardner Minshew, Gardner Mania is happening right now in Jacksonville. He is not letting them get that number one pick. Say he they don't get the number one pick. Say they get like a bottom seven pick. They still, they're mm-hmm. still bad. They're still recognizably bad, but they don't get that number one pick because Gunner just is good. Yep. He still has the ceilings, everybody believes that he has. He's still all the things already feeling him. Justin Fields falls to them like at the six pick, seven pick, whatever pick. 
do the Jaguars or do you think the Jaguars or think do you think the Jaguars should take Justin Fields? No. No, okay. Gardner, like so when we were talking about rookie contracts and how valuable they are. Yep. Gardner Mitchell's in an in an extra special case where not only is he a not a first runner, so he's not even getting paid six million, I don't even think he's getting paid like two million. So he is on an extra cheap contract and you're gonna have two more years of that. So Justin Fields would actually be more expensive than Gardner Minshew. Fair so point. I would just keep Gardner Minshew and take Jamar Chase or Rondale Moore or Rashad Bateman or um one of the freak offense alignment or Panay Sowell's not going to be there at seven, but if the Jaguars are there at like four and so uh, yeah. Panay's there, take him. Gardner is worth getting all of the mileage you can get out on his four-year deal. Interesting. Yeah, I just looked it up on uh, over the cap. Right now his cap hit is 722000 Next year will be 897000 2022 will be $1 So yeah, uh, Fields or whatever will be like three uh three to six million more dollars than that, depending yeah. on where, where that deal is. And all Gardner Minshew needs to do is be at or above the mythical Dalton line that I talked about. Mm. Is your quarterback better than Andy Dalton around two thousand sixteen to two thousand seventeen? Good, you have a starting quarterback. If the answer is yeah. no, you need to draft him. What should what should that new line be now that Andy Dalton's a backup? The Derek Carr line? Yeah, I've heard the Matt Ryan line thrown around with it before. That's like the line between like great, uh, great and good. I've heard Derek Carr. Derek Carr would be a decent one, I think. But then I, de- yeah, he's graded out at like eighty before, so it's like I need just like the consistently graded out between um seventy and seventy-two. Jameis Winston is right below that line. Yeah. All right. Next, you make up here the. The New York Jets. This year, I don't know how. Say, the year goes back to the Jets, obviously. They finished with another bottom eight pick, top eight pick, excuse me, top eight pick. Uh, Sam Darnold continues to not look great. The offense around him doesn't look good either. Everything just goes to, as expected, as we felt for the, the Jets with what they have on their offense right now. Uh, whoever's picking their can together the right now, but say, you're the Jets GM. Whatever his name is, and Justin Fields comes comes up to you, falls to you. Do you take him and replace Sam Darnold with him? Yes, because I'm also assuming that if the Jets are in that position, Adam Gase is gone. Mm. So that's that's kind that's kind of uh, like the assumption, and that that's actually something I maybe should have thought about with uh, Jacksonville, because if Jacksonville is down there, Doug Marone might be gone. gone too. New coaches want new quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, me personally, I think the Gardner Minshew being so cheap and showing top 20 quarterback potential should overseed that. But Sam Darnold hasn't shown top 20 potential. Sam, it might be safe to just call Sam Darnold a lost cause. Let him be a high end backup elsewhere. Maybe he can Tannehill it. Maybe he'll Case Keenum it down the line. Or maybe just be a Marcus Mariota, solid, decent backup. Who knows? Yeah. But when you get your when you get your new your your new head coach, and there is somebody like Justin Fields who I think would be an improvement over Darnold, and well, Darnold, you're going to start having to ask the fifth year option question. 
in that situation, you should uh, should take a shot at a Justin Fields. But yeah. I think they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, so it might not be a... Win-win either way, essentially, for the Jets right there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Jets fans can kind of breathe a sigh, breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, got two teams left before we wrap this thing up. Uh, the Miami Dolphins grabbed your favorite quarterback of the draft in Tua Tagovailoa last year. Um, obviously, you don't, Paul. He is not the biggest fan of Tua Tagovailoa. But say the Dolphins, once again, get back to the spot for whatever reason. Say Fitzpatrick and say Tua just comes in like week eight or whatever in the middle of the season. They finally let him go and just t- it turns out to be what you expect from rookie. Just not great, not great play. Some flash with a decent play. Dwayne but, Haskins-esque. Yes, Dwayne Haskins-esque. You see, first week, not not that situation where they're like, hey, Dwayne, you're starting this week out randomly nowhere and you get started in the game or whatever. But yeah, you see some struggling, but you see some stuff you like. So just standard rookie play, Dwayne Haskins-esque. For Dalton, them getting a bottom eight pick, do you take Justin Fields? Well, I think you have another situation that you have to ask yourself for. Um, if they're trading down, what mm-hmm. um, other op- other options? Because in the situation for the like the Jaguars and uh, the Jets, while that both of those teams have a lot of needs, quarterback mm-hmm. would well quarterback the number one need for the Jets. It's not for the Jaguars. For the Dolphins. You, if you have a chance at a passable quarterback and it's not Trevor Lawrence, I seeing what the Dolphins were doing with trading away Minka and Tunsil, they clearly value draft picks and want want to want to value them. The Browns, who are the early pioneers of draft analytics and trading down and gathering as much draft capital as possible, that's what that's what they did when they were in that spot. They saw Carson Wentz on their team. They saw RG three on their roster. And they said, no, we're going to trade down and get as many picks as possible. Sadly, all of the picks sucked, so it didn't work. So it's like, right process, wrong result. Mm-hmm. But, hey, looking at Carson Wentz now, and after one week, Carson Wentz and Baker are kind of in the same, in a similar spot. Wentz did not play good at all. Similar, but very different. They both played like crap week one. But, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that'll be the, that'll be a choice there. Um, if what you said, if Has, uh, Tua's playing Dwayne Haskins-ish, then you can play Tua. You still have, I'm assuming you're still going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick on the mm-hmm. team, or if you don't, you're going to have somebody safe, like a safe backup, like Case Keenum, or, um, bring Sam Darnold to be the safe backup, <laughs> like the Rams did with Blake Bortles a couple years ago. And see see what other options. Yeah, maybe trade down. The other interesting thing is Paneso, uh, oh, man. Like, some of the stuff, the things people have been saying about him, like best tackle prospects since Orlando Pace. He's going to be 20, like a young 20 when he starts his NFL mm-hmm. career. That's got to – we know quarterback is the most important position, and we had that debate with Chase Young versus Tua at PFF. But if there is, if you are confident enough in Tua, then you can either trade down and try to fill fill two spots, because some teams going to want to pay for Justin Fields, mm-hmm. or 
you take one of those sure thing players at a position of need and value, take us Panay, take a maybe Micah Parsons or Jamar Chase or whichever wide receiver proves to be this year's top guy. So many good receivers coming in again this year. There is. So that that one that one's iffy. Um, if let's say Justin Fields just kicks ass and gets over that 7.0, the magic 7.0 number in my grading scale. Reminder, 7.0, somebody I believe will be a starting quarterback day one for a franchise. If you can get over that 7.0, then yeah, that's going to be a different, that's going to be a different conversation. If you Mm -hmm. think fields is better, take fields. If you don't, if you think they're equal, then don't. Dolphins can maybe get Josh Rosen to attack of Iloa if, uh, Justin Fields turns out to be decent. Uh, last team of the bottom tier teams, the Carolina Panthers. I put them on here because I don't think they're going to be a bottom tier number one pick team because I don't think they're that bad of a roster. I think they're about a team. But I think they have potential to be a bottom tier team, like a bottom eight pick or top eight pick. Excuse me. I keep saying that wrong. Top eight pick. Say Teddy Bridgewater just turns out to be not what we saw in New Orleans, where we saw actually a decent play out of him. But he just keeps going check down as usual, doesn't get you a lot of yards, doesn't win you games at all ever. Just kind of is just Teddy Bridgewater, what you uh-huh. stereotypical Teddy Bridgewater play. You end up with a top eight pick, whatever compact, top seven, yada, yada, yada. Do you take Justin Fields and replace Teddy Bridgewater? Or do you keep going Teddy? Both. I bring in Justin Fields and hey, have te- maybe have a little Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes type thing going on. Let let, let them go at it. Uh, what's also kind of interesting about the Panthers is yeah, when you look at their roster, they don't really feel like a bottom like two or three type team. Yeah. But if Washington Redskins are winning games and the Jacksonville Jaguars are winning games. Look at look at what the Panthers have to deal with in their division. They're going to have two games against the Saints. Those are going to be rough. Two games against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Those are going to be rough. And two games against the Falcons. Like that's those are a lot of losses on the schedule right there. And you give them a quarterback that is just kind of a go with the flow type guy, not going to lose you games, not going to win you games. Yeah. And you don't really have a great offensive line or a dynamic defense. You can find yourself at four and twelve, and in a weird year like this, that can be the number two or three pick. Right. I mean, you could you're playing. I see each each team twice in your division, and haven't played one of them yet. Played any of them yet? Excuse me. And they're already down. They already lost their first game, so they're zero one already. And I realistically think they could turn out just to go one and five in their division games. They could get mm-hmm. swept by the Buccaneers and the Saints, very realistically. Mm-hmm. And they could split the series between with the Falcons. You yeah, know, that's that's one and six right now. And I yeah. look at their schedule, and they had still to play the Packers, who have looked really good against the Vikings. I knew to see the game, but Aaron Rodgers looked like he's on a ridge tour, and has to play the Chiefs also. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a tough year for them. We got Vikings who are decent. Packers already said uh, it's gonna be a tough year. Cardinals yeah. are decent. Mm-hmm. And there are there are sometimes years when pretty decent on paper teams end up in in those spots. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. Like they just got Nick Bosa with the number two pick. 
like two drafts ago. Yeah. On paper, they were not a bad team. They were even before, if they didn't get Nick Bosa and they got Quinn and Williams, I'm sure they still would have been in the NFC playoffs because they just had that much talent on that team. Oh yeah. So, so it is possible for teams that look good on paper, but their coach is still getting uh, getting in the groove of things. What is it? Um, Matt Rule, first year at Temple, yep. won like two or three games. First year at Baylor, won one to three games. Matt Rule is a guy that is uh, going to slowly shift the culture into what he wa- what he wants. He d- has done it twice in college and did it apparently did it in the right NFL type way because NFL got all the NFL guys kept calling. So yeah, there's going right. to be a learning curve for him. Yeah, I mean it's going to be an interesting to see what the Panthers turn out. I mean they brought in uh, Matt Rule obviously in college ranks. They brought in uh, the guy from LSU as well there. Mm-hmm. Brady. The corner at LSU. Yep. And it's been interesting because I know. Passing game coordinator. Is he doing offensive coordinator now in Passing Carolina? Passing game coordinator he... at LSU to offensive coordinator at Carolina. Jeez. They must believe in him, but it's going to be interesting to see what goes on in Carolina because I think they could still turn to be – they could be one of those teams where they're just good. Like you said, they're just good. They're still a good team, a decent team, but they just have a bad record because of they're facing this murderer's row. Mm-hmm. They're like two insanely good teams in the Buccaneers and Saints twice – Facing the Chiefs team, who could be in the Super Bowl this year, and facing the Packers team, who could be in the playoffs this year. It's going to be mm-hmm. a rough year for the Panthers, Go, no matter which way you slice it. Yeah, going 50-50 in the other games was four something, three to five wins. Like, right. that's, that, uh, that'll be kind of the, the issue there. Other funny thing about the Panthers, apparently with the Panthers, with the new owner, they were all talking about taking a more analytics-heavy approach, and then they did the two things that you should never do as an uh, analytics analytics based team paying your running back mm-hmm. and drafting an interior defensive lineman with mediocre pass rush in the first round <laughs> i mean did you see that game against did you see the game Raiders game on all Raiders versus panthers uh no i haven't but i saw some of the Der- uh, Derek brown got pushed back he like, had some good plays had some bad plays he got beat up a lot by uh rodney hudson and uh Ooh. what's his name kaleche no kaleche is in Kansas city now the white guy can't think of his name right now. But uh, they mauled him. He just he didn't look good. And yet, the one thing you don't do as an analytics-based team, they attract offensive players. And I'm pretty sure they drafted entire... Yeah, they didn't have a single draft. pick on the offensive side, which I think might be fine. I mean, you have your uh, quarterback, allegedly, in Teddy Bridgewater. That's what they're going through. They have their running back in McCaffrey, and they have Robbie, uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. Sure, they yep. could use a tight end, but that's not, like, necessary. And right. their offensive line, I mean, it needs to be better, but okay. I don't think it's terrible. Right. Yeah, their defense was their biggest hole, and they took the old-fashioned approach to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... They drafted, let's see, they drafted Derek Brown, Yutra Gross Matos, Jeremy Chin, Troy Pride, uh, Kenny Robinson, and Bravion Roy, my favorite, and Stanley Thomas Oliver, the last pick. They were pretty much entire defense. And it just, it just makes me laugh a little bit because it's like, what in the world? And I think Matt Rule or somebody in Carolina was talking about how they want to make sure they can establish a run, they can need to run the ball effectively. And I'm like, you guys are just talking about how you want to be an analytics-based team. You're talking about how 
you want to run the ball and you trapped an entire defense. I don't know what's going on in Carolina right now. Yeah. Even if they draft an entire defense, take Simmons instead of Brown. Yeah. Simmons, yeah, Simmons was right there. Simmons would have made so much sense to replace, uh, kind of replace Luke Keekley. I mean, you can't replace Luke Keekley. Right, nobody but can. To, yeah, just to have an impact defensive player who can do multiple things and be a chess piece for you. Right. They ended up taking, I see, uh, Jake Brown. I mean, I would much rather person him take uh, Javon Kinlaw, who looked actually quality for like the 49ers this last past week. But... I don't know. I mean, so they took Derek Brown. His I Simmons went right after him. But you had the likes of Isaiah Simmons. You had C.J. Henderson there. You still had Javon Kinlaw. You had some other quality players there. And it's just, it was weird. Very weird draft. Uh, Paul, we're going to get you out of here. Any final words? Anything else you want to yell at about the Browns, Panthers, whoever, Trevor Lawrence? Mm-hmm. I just want the Browns to win one Super Bowl in my life. Like... I'm a very controlled, calm human being, but if the Browns were to win this Super Bowl, the state of my mind would it it would just be kind of like completely flipped up and down. It would it'd be like it'd be like being a virgin until you're 30, and then find and like you're so much of your life is you having to overcome being a virgin, and then you finally lose it, and you're like almost concerned that for what you lost, you're like. You, your whole mindset, your whole identity is like would be flipped around in that situation. Like that is how inbred losing, it, ingrained losing is to the Browns. And if the Browns were to lo- win a Super Bowl, I, I I think I might do something crazy like run around the city of Cleveland naked or set fire to a police car. It would be an absolute riot, and I would absolutely be a part of it. <laughs> I got one last question. Now you mentioned this before we get you out of here for good. Uh, if the Browns did win the Super Bowl, would you rather them win it as like a favorite, like a Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, where they're like thirteen and three, twelve and four, and just cruise the Super Bowl and dominate whatever, dominate whatever NFC team Super Bowl, or would you rather have them be like a wild card team where they're like nine and seven, they nobody expects them to win the Super Bowl, they're like low on the, all the Vegas odds, but they somehow managed to win against. Another team in the NFC. I mean, the underdog thing would be cool, but like, I don't care how they win. I don't care <laughs> if they're eight and eight, nine and seven, or if they're six, uh, sixteen and zero. Oh. They could be led by Tom, Tom Brady, or the ghost of uh, Osama bin Laden. Like, just a Super Bowl, please. All right, Paul, we're gonna get you out of here. Uh, socials, Got socials, socials. Yeah, at my tr- stuff. You got football. it, Paul. Yep, my foot. Uh, the football. Yep, the as in the foot, as in the thing on the bottom of your leg, mm-hmm. and Paul as in both mine and that one guy from the Beatles name. And then you could also check out my podcast, the Football yes. Scouting Podcast, where it's a scouting podcast for scouts. Where instead of really talking about like the players, we talk about the process of going from being just a regular NFL fan to actually trying to be a scout, what we've learned, how we watch tape. So it's a little bit niche, it's a different bit of a different theme, but I really like it because I love hearing stories of other people who want to be scouts and learn from them. So check it out. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, all the spots. Thank yes, you so please. much, Lucas. Of course. Please, please listen to the podcast. I listened to the first one is Cyril Penn, uh, Paul's co-worker over at uh, Expand the Box Score. Please go listen to the podcast. It's a great podcast. I fully endorse the podcast with whatever power that means at my end. But uh, Paul, 
Thank you for coming on the podcast, buddy.